worst thing I ever done. I mixed up all this fake puke at home, and then I went to this movie theater, hid the puke in my jacket, climbed up to the balcony, and then, then I made a noise like this. And then I dumped it over the side. Oh, and all the people in the audience, then, then this was horrible. All the people started getting sick and throwing up all over each other. I never felt so bad in my entire life. Mom, they're going to like this kid, Mom. <laughs> Popheads, welcome to issue 170 of the TomCast Popcast, coming to you from Detective Murtaugh's bathroom. My name is Tom. Thank you so much for checking out this quality independent pop culture podcast. Please be sure to follow us on the social media at TomCast Popcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show TomCastPopcast at gmail.com. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with all your friends, family, and loved ones. Even people you don't like that much, just tell them about it. Tell them to check it out. Join the nation. Join Pophead Nation. Hey, and if you get a chance, the best way to support our show, the easiest way to support our show, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. We thank you in advance. And but we're on all, all the other platforms, too. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Pandora, Audible, Amazon, and so many, many more. All right, so hey, a special episode. We're dropping one. Uh, gosh, it seems like I'm just with this microphone in my face 24-7, the way we're cranking out episodes on both the TomCast podcast and on MandoVision, which, hey, check out MandoVision if you haven't done it already. If you like Star Wars, that's the show for you. It's a lot of fun over there. But hey, you're here for PopCast, and we are doing a really, I think this is a really special episode. We wanted to pay tribute uh, to to uh, Richard Donner, the director of so many uh, influential, inspirational, impactful movies uh, from our childhood. And, and into our, t- our teens and adult years as well. Uh, Donner was, uh, you know, prolific uh, for, you know, three decades of making just, just really great, high-quality entertainment and in, in the cinema. And uh, he recently passed. If you hadn't heard, uh, he passed early last week. And, uh, you know, I, I, I wanted to do something immediately because, because so many of his movies have, such a, have had such an impact on me and, and have been very important movies to me. And... Uh, very enjoyable movies at, at the at the very least, uh, so I wanted to do something for him, uh, but because of the schedules, it was a little complicated. Uh, we were able to pin something down for for today, for the day we're recording, which is uh, Saturday, and you're, you'll be hearing this on Monday, hopefully, and and uh, so it'll be about a week since he passed. But uh, um, yeah, it, it just felt appropriate, you know. Uh, such a, so many of his films were just again uh, I- impactful when I was a young person. Uh, the first one I remember. And we'll talk more in depth about this. Is seeing Superman the movie, you know, the one with Christopher Reeve and and uh, Gene Hackman, Ned Beatty, and and uh, again it made a pronounced impact on me, and it made me 
it started me down down a rabbit hole. I mean, Superman the movie got me interested in comic books and superheroes and all that good stuff. And you see what kind of mess you're in now because of Richard Donner and Superman. It's his fault. We're laying it all on on uh, Dick Donner's feet, and uh, that's okay. This was just what we're gonna do. This is how it is, <laughs> but in a loving way. So yeah, we're gonna pay tribute to him. We're gonna talk talk about some of our favorite films, our some of our favorite moments from those films. We're not gonna do. Uh, like, uh, like a biography sort of situation. That's that's not for us to do. Um, I, we just know the man from his work and, and how important it was for us and uh, the legacy he leaves behind with some of these films. And so that's that's what we're doing today. We're paying a little tribute to Richard Donner, the late, great Richard Donner. Um, and, and, you know, we thank him, you know, for, for everything he's done, the contributions he's made to, to movies, to uh, all the different genres. I mean, like, again, this guy basically started the superhero genre without even knowing it. Because Superman, the movie, is, is sort of like a, a, a touchstone motion picture as far as superhero events go. And uh, again, in the 80s, teams up with Steven Spielberg, produces the Goonies, or he directs the Goonies, Spielberg produces it, but they create the Goonies, a movie that I still watch. I'm a 43-year-old man. I watch the Goonies on a very, very regular basis because I love it. Uh, and also, of course, the impact he brought to the action film genre with the Lethal Weapon series. So just these are just some of the things we're talking about. There'll be even more in there. You know I'm going to work in some Scrooge references because uh, I love uh, Scrooge with Bill Murray, one of my favorite Christmas movies to watch. So yeah, get ready for this one. This is going to be a lot of fun. We're, we're going to link up with Mark here in a moment. And uh, yeah, get ba- get ready to have fun. We're going to pay tribute to a, a great director and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully help uh, bring back some fond memories of some of his, his previous movies uh, that, that you have enjoyed over, over the many years as well. And uh, you know, maybe down the road you show them to your kids too. That'd be a lot of fun. I think I think he'd appreciate that, knowing that you're passing on the movies that he uh, helped helped bring into this world. All right, so you know what you got to do. Well, no, you don't have to do it. <laughs> I am so sorry. I, I keep wanting to skip over the Pophead Nation, <laughs> and I shouldn't be doing that. I'm just so excited to get into the show. I apologize. But we have to thank the important people of the show, the official members of Pophead Nation. They keep the lights on. They keep this show running and hopefully getting better and better every time you listen to it, except for when I gaff and, and try to step over this portion of the intro. So if you're interested in supporting the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash TomCast. Oh, boy. <laughs> patreon.com forward slash TomCastPopCast. You can join the nation and gain access to all the sweet, sweet, sweet bonus content. Thank you to our current Patreons, the Aspen Hill Chody, the Batman of Bay Park, Jeff Nail, Jeff co-hosting on the Ringing Ear, a great music podcast, check it out. I'm hoping to have Jeff on the show again soon. It's been far, far too long. We need to catch up with him and his uh, lovely wife, Casey. That'd be a lot of fun. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles, the Squid Master General, Brian Broussard, the New Jer- Jersey Devil, Mark Wegemer, and our very own Joker and Harley Quinn, Brian and Krista of Pariah Brewing Company, right here in San Diego, California, coming soon to Baltimore, Maryland, and of course, the Beer Hop Brigadier General. Jesus beer hops. All right. Now we can do it. Now you know what you got to do. Maybe you've already done it, but I'm going to say it anyways. Sit down, buckle up, hold on to your butt, and buckle up again. Let's go. I have seen your nodular aspirations fall off one by one till the master passion greed engrosses you. Farewell, Ebenezer. May you be happy with the path that you have chosen. Well, I am happy with the path that I've chosen, you little bitch. In fact, I couldn't be happier. Hey, all right. We're, we have linked up via the power of the internet with my brother Mark in Los Angeles, the, uh, the, the, the movie capital of the world, right? Is that what they say? 
Not really. <laughs> not not that term. Okay, fine. <laughs> but we're here. To, we're going to do a Richard Donner tribute episode. I think we're both pretty excited to talk about uh, some of our favorite movies that that Richard Donner directed. Uh, I mean, his his producing credits are out of control. And if you go through his IMDb, you'll see like he did a ton of TV shows back in the day too, like in, all throughout the fifties and sixties, uh, up into the seventies right. when he got his you know directorial debut. In, in the omen, but we're just going to focus on the movies and, and our favorite yeah. movies. You know, we're not going to do a, a sort of comprehensive review of the man's career. We're just paying homage to our favorite, favorite movies that he did because uh, there are movies that we still are connected to, I think. Right. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. So we're going to kick it off in just a second here, but uh, today I'm drinking solo on the show. Mark is making me drink alone, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> I had a hard day at work, so I could use a beverage. And uh, from from Ruler Brewing Company here in Carlsbad, California, or Carlsbad, San Diego, I guess, really, right? Is that how they say it? Yeah, it's, oh, it's Carlsbad, California. I got it right the first time. It's from Ruler Brewing Company. This is their 2x2, two two, which is their double dry hopped, double IPA, uh, because, you know, 2x2, two two, double dry hopped, double IPA. Boom, boom. And it's a, it's hoppy bitterness, and it's delightful, and I'm really, really enjoying it. It's a collaboration with our friends over at Hopsbauer. And uh, you can find this, Mark, at fine beverage distillers everywhere. Nice. <laughs> so this is what I'm going to be having to uh, wet my whistle as we talk about the films of Richard Donner. And I figured we would just kind of kick it off with uh, what was, you know, in the grand scheme of things, our first experience seeing a Richard Donner movie, which was Superman the movie. Uh, the the The... I mean, I don't know. I'm going to say it's iconic, right? You think that applies? 100%. Yeah. The iconic interpretation of Superman's origin from 1970, was it 78 or 77, Mark? 78. 78. Starring Christopher Reeve. Uh, you, you got, uh, 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 oh my God. <laughs> Gene Hackman, Ned Beatty, Marlon Brando, Margot Kidder. It's it's an incredible cast in this movie. But this is our first time experiencing a Richard Donner movie. And, and for a long time, you know, when we were little kids, we had no idea what that meant. We didn't know who Richard Donner was. We just wanted to see Superman. Um, but this was our first exposure to the man, right? And it's one of these like these movies that is, is so ingrained in us. Uh, I was wondering if you could talk about how you how you feel about Superman the movie and, and kind of like as you've gotten older and you kind of know about Donner, uh, what do you think he brought to the table? I mean, I don't know. Just talk about it for me. Okay. Yeah. Um... I know, it's a loaded question. (laughs) Right. Um, Can you repeat the question? No, probably not. But (laughs) let's let's just go back, though, because let's go back in time for the audience, all right? You and I are, sadly, uh, middle-aged men, uh, which means we go back in time to the 80s. And we didn't have cable, and, you know, we were very young. We weren't going to, you know, our parents didn't take us to the movies all the time. We got to go on occasion. But 77 or 78, I was born. So I missed that in the theaters. But back in the day, when these movies were on network television, it was a big deal. And I remember watching this. I want to say it was like on ABC. It was like the movie of the week sort of thing on Sunday night. And it was such a big deal because most of the time, the the national movie of the week would start at like 9 o'clock. But Superman started at 8 because it was... So long. <laughs> right. So we got to watch a movie for three hours when we were very, very little. And it was pretty awesome. <laughs> yes. I, I I love this movie. I, I think um, 
I think it's fair to say, I mean, and I hope you will elaborate on this, but I, I, without even knowing it at the time, Richard Donner created the superhero template of what these movies can and should be. I, I would I would argue I would argue with anyone who wants to tell me that Superman the movie is not like the pitch perfect origin movie for a superhero. I think you're right about that. I think he definitely created that template and I think you don't you don't get the the Marvel films without without seventy eight Superman, you know. Um especially the origin stories. Um you look back at the original Iron Man, which kicked off that whole franchise, and the the template of it is, you know, point for point, pretty much the same. Whereas the first half of the movie is the character's origin and how they acquired their powers and dealing with them, and then the next half is them dealing with some some kind of villain. That's pretty much what Superman the movie does. Yeah, agreed. And uh, there's a certain. Uh, it, it's. I think. I've, I think. I've, I think. I might have texted you this. Actually, I think I might have texted my friend Chris, who is in the band that plays our intro music, uh, because he's a big nerd like me. And when I when I saw the news that Richard Donner had passed, it was it was really weird timing, because the night before, for reasons that I don't understand, I felt very compelled to watch Superman the movie. And mm. and so I watched about the first half of it before I, I finally was like, oh my gosh, I have to go to bed because I got work in the morning. But I just sat there just, you know, kind of like, you know, the, the kid with the hands under his chin, just like, ooh, Superman. And <laughs> and it's just, I again, it's just one of those movies. It's so ingrained into me and it's so fun and it's so pure and it has this wonderful innocence to it. The way it even opens with like the kid reading the Action Comics comic book and then the, the doing the voiceover about, you know, the role of the Daily Planet in exposing truth and injustice in the world. You know, being the voice of truth and exposing injustice in the world. I should say, there's there's something just so. Uh, I don't want to use the word quaint, but it's 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 it has a lot of old fashioned uh, charm to it that you don't see in a lot of movies. And perhaps one of the things that more recent Superman uh, adaptations are missing. Oh, a hundred percent. That's what they're missing. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and I think even, you know, even at the time, that was a mark of distinguishment for the film, that it was this very hopeful, optimistic, and innocent film, because, you know, if you go back to 70s Hollywood, I mean, they they were producing a lot of, like, very sort of cynical and, and dark content. Yeah. And then you have... Superman the movie come out, which is this sort of bright beacon. Well, and it's funny too because because they they very obviously used New York City as their standing in for Metropolis, and like you said, a lot of those movies you're talking about were set in a very dark New York City. You know, like like you know, I think of movies like Death Wish and, and things like that, where it's just like very seedy. You know, like Times Square overrun with with like with uh with with porn movies and 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 pimps and all kinds of stuff going on over there. You know, it's it's a very different place than the Times Square that we know now. And right. and for him to make this the Metropolis, uh, I thought was a I mean it's a brilliant choice. It's obviously the most logical stand-in for Metropolis, but there's there's something about a guy in a big blue and red costume in that seediness that's so 
appealing to me. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I, you know, I think it it is just kind of what you said. It it is that because he's in the the, the these bright colors, it, it is emblematic of of the hope and optimism that that the character represents and and that he brings and and yeah, it it's a source of light in the darkness. Yeah. I, I think Richard Donner ended up, I, you know, his feud with the Salkins, the, the producers of the, of the movies, are, are pretty legendary at this point. But he brought such a such a, a wonderful sensibility to the production. And obviously the, the cast uh, very much loved him. And they all seemed very sad by by uh, his his uh, removal from Superman 2's production. Right. Um, and, but before we get into Superman 2, I do, I do want to mention, like, I mean, I, I want to, I don't... <sighs> I don't want to. I don't want to give him too much credit because uh, for for this, but he, obviously he had a voice in it. But the casting of Christopher Reeve is obviously a huge deal. That movie probably is not the same thing without him. No, not at all. So I mean, and to take a chance on a on a very unknown actor at the time as your as your title character as Superman, a, a character who is basically creating the pop culture landscape. <laughs> you know, I mean, this pop culture started with that guy, basically. Right. And you know, maybe enough, if not started, at least helped expose it more to people. At least, at the very minimum, Superman is a big deal. Yeah, I mean, you know, it brought the character to to the mainstream. I mean, everyone knew. I think at the time, everyone knew who Superman was just because the comics had been running for so long, and you know, there was like the TV show. I think back in in the fifties or whatever. Yeah, so. the George Reeves one. Yeah. Yeah, so people were familiar with the character, but you know, if you ask someone about it, they might say they they know what that is, but they wouldn't know much about it. And and so yeah, so this movie definitely brought brought the character to to the mainstream. Well, and you remember the tagline for that movie was was you know you will believe a man can fly. And right. I know as little kids, we we definitely did. Uh, but one of the things I think about that I've I've learned over the years, uh, whenever whenever Donner's done interviews or talked about. The, the production of Superman, uh, you know, he's he's always struck me as, as like a very nice man and a very humble man because he always gave credit to everyone else for making that look so good and bringing that to life. You know, and he, you know, he crediting Christopher Reeve and crediting like, the stunt team and their production assistants, you know, and everyone who was involved in it. He's like, oh, that was all them. They they made that. They made it so easy for me to just to film it, you know, and I, I think that's an important part of, of Donner's legacy is that he just seemed like a really nice guy. Yeah, no, my my understanding is that he was he was a great director to to work with. Yeah, actors loved him, and, and you know we talked a little bit. There is controversy about Superman two. There is a Donner cut of Superman two, but Superman, famously the Salkins, the producers of Superman, fired him from right the, the from finishing Superman two. They were filming the movies back to back, but at one point they had to shift focus solely to Superman one to finish it on time, and then mm-hmm. as they went back to Superman two, the Salkins decided they'd had enough of him, and Superman was big enough on its own. That they could replace him with Richard Lester, right. and I, I, you know, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of of the Donner cut versus Richard Lester's version. I I have high nostalgia for Richard Lester's version of the, right. of the movie, and even though I do like the Donner cut a lot as well, I, I sort of am this in this weird nebulous place where I kind of like them both for their for different reasons. <laughs> right. Uh, most again, the Lester cut's just nostalgic because that's the one I watched for twenty plus years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, it, it's interesting to think what what might have been if if the world had gotten to see the Donner cut as opposed to just like us hardcore fans who tracked it down when, when Warner Brothers finally put it out, you know, ten fifteen years ago, whatever it was. 
Yeah. Um, you know, because m my understanding is that the end of the original Superman, you know, where he spins back time, that was originally always supposed to be the end of Superman 2. But then if, if, if I... If I've heard correctly about this, that uh, because they were trying to finish the original on time, they needed an ending, and so they they used it for the ending of the first one, and that's why, you know, when you get to to the Donner cut of Superman two, and he does it yet again, that's why it's it is like that because that was always supposed to be the sort of the original ending for that film. Oh, that's interesting. I don't think I realized that. I, yeah, again, I, I I'm not sure where I heard that, but that's what I've heard. No, and it makes it makes sense, and and you know, again, the Donner cuts even is even sort of like a, like, a, like a rough approximation because there were things that that they could just couldn't recreate to make it happen too. I mean, so they had to kind of work with what they had. Right. Though even in the Lester version, apparently, like, like somewhere between sixty to seventy percent of the Richard Lester version is still Richard Donner footage. Yeah. No. Definitely. And and. You know, the other nice part about these Superman movies as well is because they were designed to be one big story split into two movies, uh, a story written by Mario Puzo, who'd written The Godfather, for goodness sakes. Uh, that's that's the kind of money the Salkins were were thrown out back in the day. Uh, not, right. not, not, not even to mention, like, the $13 million they gave Marlon Brando to show up for, you know, three hours and read, right. off, read off giant cue cards, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Because he thinks that's more natural than memorizing the lines. <laughs> No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Apparently, he does. That is what I have heard. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. Oh boy, uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you know the uh, the the end of Superman one where he, where he takes the rockets into space. That's supposed to be what what is the that's supposed to be what the explosion causes Zod and Ursa and Non to break free from the Phantom Zone, as opposed right. to the. So when you watch the Donner cut, that whole thing in Paris isn't there. It's gone. <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's right. Totally forgot about that. You know, and the, the, obviously there's there's other changes along the way as well. Um um but that that's one of the most obvious ones from the very beginning of the film. And then I think I think the climax is is different. Like there's not Superman throwing like that giant uh, saran wrap emblem at 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 Non and you know him falling down into like the infinite pit of doom. <laughs> well, I mean, no, what happens to Non, he gets that cellophane wrapped around him, but then it's like it just vanishes from him. <laughs> Is that what happened? I... Yeah, yeah. I, I think they still... Do they get thrown into that bottomless pit still? I, I forget. I haven't watched the, the Donner cut in so long. Yeah, but, I, you um... know, I was trying to get it watched before we were doing this podcast, and I couldn't finish it in time. I There was just too much going on. Um, so I got about halfway through it, and I'm really enjoying it, actually. It, it it's 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 been a little while since I've watched it too, and uh, but I remember the first time we watched it together, and like we were like, oh wow, like the contrasts here are so stark. But yeah, uh, but in a lot of ways, I'm really enjoying it a lot more now. Yeah, I I remember thinking like, this is definitely a better movie than than the Richard Lester version. But then you have that ending where he yet again spins the world backwards, and you're like. Is he just going to do this at the end of every movie? <laughs> well, regardless, it wasn't his fault. <laughs> right, 
Right. <laughs> I, I'm sure if he had his his, his druthers, uh, there were there would have been a different fate there. I before we get off Superman though, real quick, I do want to share a story in case in case our audience hasn't heard this one. It's one of my favorite stories about the production of the first Superman. You probably okay. know you probably know the story that I'm going to share. But they were they were trying to get they wanted they wanted Gene Hackman to do Lex Luthor to be Lex Luthor in this movie, uh, but Gene Hackman was very adamant about not shaving off his mustache, and, right. and so Donner goes to go have a meeting with 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 Gene Hackman to like you know what do we got to do like what do we got to do to make this mustache go away, and 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 somehow one way or the other they come to the decision that well Gene Hackman will get rid of, will shave off his mustache if Richard Donner shaves off his. So they're like, deal. And so Gene does his. It comes to the set. He's going to be Lex Luthor. They're going to film, and he notices Richard Donner still has his mustache on. <laughs> and and uh, Gene says something. that's like, what? I thought we were shaving our mustaches. What are we doing? What are you doing? And then Richard Donner just reaches up, peels a fake mustache off his lip, and throws it on the floor. Because <laughs> he never had a mustache in the first place. Right. And that, but that's the thing that that story just makes you wonder. So, what did Gene Hack had Gene Hackman never seen Richard Donner before? Oh, before the internet, I mean, like you haven't met someone, you haven't met someone. The odds are you haven't seen him either. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so. So it seems like know? Donner had like this long con planned for, right. for Gene Hackman. But again, I think this, like you said, actors seem to really enjoy him, and it's, it's sort of like this this fun personality that he brings. He's like sort of this, this actor's director kind of guy. Right, and yeah. I mean, you know, we we've, you know, we'll we'll talk about some of the other movies later on, but I mean, that seems to be the case with a lot of his productions. When you see, like, behind the scenes stuff, and a lot of his movies in, in feature, you know, behind the scenes stuff, whether it's stills or little little like excerpts, like hanging out with the, with the crew and the cast and whatever, that seems to be a really common theme in a lot of his flicks. Right. Uh, all right, so let's not, you know, one day, it's, it's funny that it, it's it's. That's not funny, but you know this is doing a Superman show, a specific Superman the movie show, was something that was had been in the cards for a while now. So I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole with this because one day down the road we will explore all these these fun aspects of the of the film and of the production. Uh, but I do want to move on to something else now, and and by doing this, I, I kind of want to move back and and kind of give you the floor uh, for a little bit here because I want to talk about his first movie, uh, which as far as I know is his only entry into the genre. But I mean, Richard Donner directed The Omen. Yes, he, he did. He brought Damien to life. Yes, he did. And talk about that. Talk about that movie. It, it, it's again, this is a movie that you and I found much later on in life. But it, I mean, this is a rock solid horror flick. It's really good, and it, I think it stands up. Yeah, no, I, I think it definitely stands up. And and like you said, I I watched it for the first time just a few years ago, and was was really impressed by it. Um, but I mean, it is just that sort of classic and, and yeah, I, I think you kind of have to call it iconic because I, I think it's what seared into the, 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 the public's consciousness, you know, the mark of the beast 666 right, and, right, right. and the idea of the antichrist and, uh, sort of just that thinking of, of, well, what if, what, like, what if the book of revelations was true? And, you know, it's kind of a, kind of a, a scary idea. And, um, you know, we've also, we've all seen the South Park with Damien. 
um, <laughs> yes, of yeah, course. the the Latin chorus music, and and again, you know, that's just Head to that, exact, exactly <laughs> that you know that, that's where it all comes from, and um, you know, Donner is great about it because you know he says that the the Omen uh, turned his career around, um, like he wouldn't have gotten to where where he eventually got if it if it wasn't for that for that movie and i it probably off the back of the omen's success is what got him uh superman yeah yeah i'd imagine so you know but the the movie itself is 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 filled with some very um haunting sequences and and haunting death scenes oh uh, yeah uh david warner's spoiler alert David Warner's decapitation is amazing. <laughs> Would you rank that the best decapitation in cinema? Uh, it's up there. I mean, you've I seen a lot of decapitations. <laughs> What's that? You've seen a lot of decapitations in your time. I have seen a lot of decapitations. It, 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 it it's definitely one that that you know, even just watching it a few years ago, it took me by surprise, and I was completely blown away by it. All right. Well, so. l- listen, I'm gonna throw it on the gauntlet right now. Okay. Special okay. episode of the podcast. You are going to create a list of the best, 10 best decapitations in cinema. Oh, boy. <laughs> Take your time, but this, oh. this is happening, all right? I want the okay. audience to hear this. I want them to get excited to, see, to hear about Mark for 10, the 10 best moments of people getting their heads chopped off. Okay. <laughs> I, I can do it. I know you can. I believe all you All right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, for me, as far as I, I, I give Omen complete credit for the fact of uh, there is a, an entire genre, a subgenre of horror that I don't care for, and it's creepy fucking children. No, thank okay. you. And it's Damien's fault. Creepy kids creep me the fuck out. <laughs> I don't want to see them just staring at me with their lifeless doll eyes. Get the fuck away from me, you psychos. I assume every child that stares at me that way is going to kill me. All right. Yeah, it's it's funny because I I feel like Damien is such a small like his presence is felt throughout the film obviously, but his actual screen time is is pretty minuscule. So I I don't even I never even thought of it in terms of like oh the 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 the, the creepy kid aspect of it you know because I I tend to think of it more in terms of. You know, a movie like uh, Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist and then kind of The Omen. That's sort of like that unholy trinity of, sure. of films. Well, I was going to say during the 70s, but I think Rosemary's Baby was late 60s. I think you're right. And it's funny, like Omen's almost like a... In, in some senses, Omen almost feels like a sequel to Rosemary, Rosemary's Baby, doesn't it? Like, like a sort of a spiritual successor? definitely um you know yeah maybe 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 that was her child not really but <laughs> right gotcha yeah, yeah and, and again i'm not saying that that richard donner uh created the creepy child genre because i, th- I think it predates uh the omen by by a good amount the first movies with creepy kids but in I mean, my in my timeline in my experience i think damien kind of came first and was like oh i don't like creepy kids i was always unsettled by it as as a younger younger person uh, as an adult, I just, I found it I find it outright uh, frightening, <laughs> just like no 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 no. Right. It was funny. I, I rewatched recently. 
well, within the last like two years or something like that, I rewatched Children of the Corn, which is not a great flick, but those kids, they can all fuck off. I don't stop looking at me like that. <laughs> it's it's been a while since I've seen Children of the Corn. I I remember being underwhelmed. So the 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 first, kind of annoyed with the whole situation. Yeah, the, I mean the first one is solid enough. They they the sequels go downhill quickly. <laughs> right. And you know right. what what are you doing naming your kid Malachi? What what are you thinking? That's a bad that's a bad decision. Well, I don't remember how it is in the film, but I remember in in the short story the kids give themselves those names. <laughs> well, maybe I might be misremembering. Or maybe they never stated it clearly, who knows. Who knows? You got anything else you want to say about right. the Omen? Um, if you haven't seen it, it's a great time. Check it out. <laughs> that's all I got. There <laughs> All right, I I I, I want to tread lightly here on the next movie I was going to bring up <laughs> because it's it's a movie that can never, ever, ever be remade straight from its current incarnation back in 1982. I am talking about the Jackie Gleason, Richard Pryor movie, The Toy. Oh, wow. <laughs> I You know what? I don't think I've seen this in its entirety. Oh, I felt like we watched it together as kids. I feel like Dad, we rented it with Dad, and he watched it because he likes Jackie Gleason so much. Yeah, I think I tuned it out though. Okay, well, listen. At the time, I, I liked it because of you know Richard Pryor, funny guy. But uh, yeah, right. you can't have a movie with a rich white guy buying a black guy to be your child's toy. That's not cool. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't translate well. No. <laughs> so we're gonna not talk about the toy any further. It we will. Uh, it, it was a movie. Of its time. <laughs> we'll just leave it there. It was a movie. That is for sure. <laughs> well, well, actually, if, if you want to talk about uh, Richard Donner movies that um, haven't aged well, Ooh. looking at his IMDb, there's a film entitled London Affair, which is about a 38-year-old American novelist discovers the difficulties of being married to a 16-year-old British schoolgirl. I don't I don't see this. That's uh, on IMDb. You have to go. It's like in 1970. 1970? He directed yeah. it? Director Richard Donner. Stars okay. Charles Bronson, Orson Bean. Oh, it's way uh, down there. Yeah. Yeah, this is still when he was doing a ton of TV uh, TV shows. It looks like maybe it was kind of like his first feature film, and then maybe it just didn't uh, didn't do very well, and so he went back to TV. Not not sure what the story is behind that. Well, but... my guess is the subject matter <laughs> from what you read. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, oof. Yeah, yeah. I would <laughs> no thanks. So... No thanks. <laughs> So let's change the topic. How about Lady Hawk, Mark? You a big fan of Lady Hawk? Um, this is another one uh, that you and I both have a friend who really enjoys this movie. Yes. But I have never been able to sit through it, I'm sorry to say. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's a movie that I, I've always kind of had a hard time with. Yeah, I just, I get about a half hour in and I'm just like, I'm out. And like, I really like Rucker Hauer, but Matthew Broderick's not very good in this. Yeah, I 
Who else is? Isn't Michelle Pfeiffer? Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, she is the uh, the Lady Hawk in in the, in question. Right. Yeah. No, I I can't say much about it. I've just I've never been a, been patient enough to to sit through it. Yeah. I. It's funny. Like I wasn't. I, the the plan is not to go through his his filmography film by film. But I saw Lady right. Hawk on there. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. He did do Lady Hawk. And I couldn't remember if you liked the movie or not. So I I wanted to ask you. I just kind of sprung that one on you. Sorry. No. No. And you know what I. I would actually like to go back and check it out because, you know, when I attempted to watch it, I was in my very early 20s. So I don't think I was as patient back then. So no, that makes sense. You can rent it on Amazon for three bucks, Mark. No, thank you. Oh, all right. Got to wait for that, uh, that TNT version. Gotcha. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it'll be streaming for free somewhere at some point. All right, well, let's go ahead and get to what, again, one of my favorite movies, a seminal movie of my childhood. I believe your childhood as well. I, I, I assume you have the same affinity for it as I do. I mean, we did watch it a thousand times together. I am, of course, referring to The Goonies. Yes. What? I, again, 43-year-old man. I love The Goonies so much. This movie makes me so freaking happy when I watch it. And and again, Richard Richard Donner making a, a a kids movie that is, in my opinion, pretty timeless. Right? Am I wrong? I don't think so. I mean, yes, it's it's very steeped in the eighties, but I feel like it's so accessible to anyone. Like you can understand. I mean, I don't. Know, I I, I, I want to think kids today can understand kids from the eighties, right? I would think so. I would hope so. I hope I hope our listeners have kids today who can understand the 80s and realize not everything is about screen time and people like to ride bikes back in the day and go on adventures yeah they like to do fun stuff yeah i mean this movie's like everything we like our childhood wanted to be you know it was like getting together with your friends and like just doing fun stuff and it was kind of like adventuring you know like you'd ride your bikes all over the town all over the county in some cases and, right and get up to you know you get in a little bit of trouble, get in a little mischief. We never ran across criminals in our in our childhood. I can't speak for everyone else, but this right. is just, it's just fun. I mean, you find a pirate treasure map, you go on a pirate treasure hunt. There's traps and and criminals, and it's just fucking fun. I love this movie with all of my heart. I cannot get enough Goonies in my life, and I am the guy who's jonesing for the Goonies like sequel that's been long rumored and bandied about for many many years. Yeah, well, now it will probably never happen. I feel like that's probably a good thing. It might be a good thing, but I think, I think actually, I think the passing of Richard Donner might actually make it happen. Really? <laughs> like, we have to get together for Richard Donner. Oh, boy. <laughs> hey, Spielberg's still around. You know, you bring in somebody who is, is of the same vein. Shit, Spielberg could just do it at this point, right? I don't trust Spielberg to do it. What if he brings in Robert Zemeckis? No. <laughs> All right. Well, what is it about Goonies that that enchants you so much? Well, I think, like you said, it, you know, it. I. It's kind of every little kid's fantasy. You know, it's like I. I. I feel like it, it. It's like what a kid on summer vacation wakes up every day hoping is going to happen that they're going to go off on some wild adventure. Um. And it's a movie that has a little bit of everything because, you know, you have the younger kids, which is, you know, Sean Astin and Corey Feldman and them. And, and, and that appeals to, to your, your younger demographic. And then you have 
uh, Josh Brolin for like the older kids and his love story with, I forget the character's name, but I think the actress's name is Carrie Green. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get, you also get a lot of adult humor that, that comes from, uh, from the Fratellis. And there's just this, uh, this, this wonderful fantasy story about pirates and, and hidden treasure. And it, it's just very imaginative. Yeah, the the Fratellis, as I've gotten older, are one of my favorite parts. I was a little, I found them a little scary when I was a kid. But obviously, like Richard Davi, Joey Pantaleone, I think I'm saying his name right. Uh, and, and and Joey Pants. That's... Yeah, Joey Pants, right? And then uh, yeah, uh, Anne Ramsey, who we know from various and sundry things and in movies, right. she's always like the the not nice person. She's always the one yelling and screaming at people. Yeah, she's you know she's got that face. Right, as, yeah. as as Mama Fratelli, and 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 of course she obviously became like a Richard Donner favorite because he brought her back for Scrooged. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do it for Eva, Mark. No, <laughs> that's when you're supposed to take the drink, but you don't actually pour it down your mouth. You just let it hit the floor because you don't, don't want, you don't you don't want to drink off the same cup they did. I got you, but yeah. you know you're always telling me I'm on a podcast. It's it's not a visual medium. <laughs> it's not a visual medium. You're got me on that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What, again, I I I, I am an, a middle aged man, and I am still obsessed with the Goonies. I still watch it every time it's on TV, and uh, I can't get enough of it. It's just it's just so fun. Yeah. And who doesn't want to find a pirate ship? I know. Especially a pirate ship off the coast of Oregon, which sort of doesn't make a lot of sense. But we're not gonna nitpick. Well, does the film take place in Oregon? I mean, it's. I feel like they don't shy away from the fact that they're in Astoria, Oregon. It's been a while since I've watched it. I don't remember them mentioning particular towns or uh, or or the state. You know, it, obviously it's shot in Oregon. You know, I but... mean, there's a couple of scenes where it does say Astoria. So I mean, if you okay. know if you know Oregon, you know Astoria. But I mean, you know, back in the eighties, you know, before people had atlases. <laughs> well, I mean, they had atlases, but you know, people didn't look these kind of things up. They probably didn't know any better. Yeah, they're like, oh, it's any town yeah. USA. It's just off the coast. One-eyed Willie, you know, he was a heck of a pirate, and he got him all the way to Oregon. Hey, why not, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful coastline. If you haven't checked it out, I recommend it highly. And those sea stacks, oh, they're gorgeous. Right. <laughs> well, okay, so this is this is when like when Donner, in my opinion, got in a real big role because it was after this, nineteen eighty-seven. Richard Donner jumps feet first into the action movie genre and basically helps to redefine it, in my opinion, and by, by creating, again, in my opinion, the best of the buddy cop movies. I am, of course, talking about Lethal Weapon. Yeah. You know, Danny Glover, you got, you got, you got your boy over there, Mel Gibson. My boy. <laughs> yeah, you know, your boy. What am I, Reagan? You guys hang out. Yeah, I think yeah, I see. Mel. I, I that's see, that's why I'm so successful. I see Mel right behind you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's here. He's 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 working on Passion of the Christ too. But I mean, so far, like we, we we're only in like 1987, and and uh, Donner is just uh, he's um, a man of many styles. Like he doesn't stick to one genre. Like he like whatever story seems to appeal to him the most. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna do that. And I think that was the thing that I discovered. You know, when when we decided we were doing the show and I was going back through his filmography, I was like, oh, it's not as 
like robust maybe as I thought it was. Like I, I thought they'd be like, oh, there's like twenty or thirty movies in here, and it, there's not. It's it's a really uh, sort of curated list. Like he obviously chose his projects very carefully, and and each one seemed looks like on on you know looking back, sort of seemed to scratch a different itch for him at, at whatever point he was at in his life. You know, mm-hmm. everything's very very different. Like he has the fantasy stuff with. Uh, with Lady Hawk, he did a comedy movie, an adult comedy movie with, with with Richard Pryor and Jackie Gleason. You know, he did Superman. He did like the big sort of Hollywood blockbuster sort of thing. You know, he's got a kids movie now with Goonies, and now he's like, now his next thing is like, yeah, all right, here's this cool script from uh, Shane Black. Let's 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 take an action movie and turn it on its head and make it even better than a normal action movie because we're gonna make it kind of funny at the same time. Right. And you know. Like Die Hard, Lethal Weapon is like, to me, is like my top two, maybe top three action movies of all time. I love Lethal Weapon. Yeah. And, no. and, and again, I think it's, I think a lot of that credit goes to Donner. You know, a lot of people focus on the chemistry between Riggs and Murtaugh. And that's, it, it, that's an, an essential element of the, of the story. But you need that filmmaker who's going to help convey that story even better. And I think Donner's the guy who brings that to life so well. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, I, th- I think one of the things, you know, I always thought about Richard Donner is, um, you know, I, I never really saw him as kind of like a, a visionary director. Um, I think the original Superman might be kind of the one exception, but he's always seemed like a real sort of journeyman's director where it's like he knows... Like he's very good at his craft, but he doesn't have like this uh, this kind of like signature style. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I and I think that's why he's able to go from genre to genre and just kind of you know bang out a hit in in every single one of them. And in in Lethal Weapon, yeah, I, I think he he definitely he brought a certain grittiness to to the look of the film and to to los angeles um that that definitely definitely worked yeah and and obviously that spun off a a, a huge franchise you know four films uh they're, they're talking about doing a fifth though i don't again that's another project that may now get canned uh, right. I would assume without Donner there to, to kind of bring it together, though th- this is it's funny because this is also seems to be a bit of a turning point in his career, uh, because you know we sort of talked about it a little bit like some of these how he's um, an an actor's director and he and he sort of is able to uh, uh, foster these these relationships with the people you know on the camera behind the camera in real life, and you know as we as we sort of transition out of the eighties into the nineties. It seems that a lot of Donner's career will shift to just like I just want to work with these people because I like them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's one reason why the Lethal Weapon movies kept happening because he's like, I like Mel and I like Danny and we're just gonna make more movies together because it's fun. And and he, again, he works with Mel a lot in the '90s. You know, there, there there's Maverick and there's Conspiracy Theory with Julia Roberts joining the fun. And right. you know, and again, again, sneaking in, in in cameos with Danny Glover in as many of those movies as he can. You know stuff like that. It just seemed like he became. Uh, he just liked working with specific people because that was fun and that was like his family in a sense. And again, I don't want to go down. I get it. Mel Gibson is very out of out of style right now. Very unfashionable. The things he said, we we do not condone 
and, and I'm not trying to, I don't, again, I don't want to, I want to avoid that rabbit hole, but we must acknowledge, I suppose. But at the time, Mel Gibson was like America's sweetheart. We loved the guy from Australia who used to be Mad Max. And, and he had a huge film career in the 90s, kids. I can't help you. Still is Mad Max, in my opinion. <laughs> Fair enough. But, uh, but yeah, Donner just had these relationships with, with, these, with these performers and was like, yeah, let's just make a movie together. It'd be fun. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. All right, no, sorry. I was going to go down a rabbit hole about Danny Glover. We can talk about some of the things he's done and or said, but yeah, I, I, I don't want to go. I, I don't want to go that that direction with it. No, we we don't. We want to avoid the controversial stuff. Uh, these people have had problems in real life, but uh, for the sake of this podcast, we're not going to go there. Yeah, but the, you know, yeah, just the, those two work extremely well together in mm-hmm. that franchise. So. I was curious, again, Lethal Weapon is another movie that I was kind of interested in doing a, spe- a specific podcast about at some point down the road. Uh, even though it's not really genre, it's just pretty much a straightforward action film. I just it, It's so impactful to me. I mean, and I've already done a show about Die Hard. Why not do one about Lethal Weapon? Yeah. Uh, what, what do you think? This movie and, and Die Hard in particular, I think, were the big movies that kind of sort of changed what was going on in the action film genre. I don't know if you feel the same way, though. But I feel like it was movies like this that sort of I don't know if I want to say like ended, but sort of brought a little bit of reality back from the over-the-top Stallone and Schwarzenegger style action movies. Like there's a little bit more reality in these ones and our heroes are much more fallible. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I more or less agree with that. I mean, we still had, you know, some over-the-top Stallone and, and Schwarzenegger stuff. I, usually the movie that's kind of credited as, as ending that era was um, Executive Decision. Um, oh, really? With Kurt Russell and, and very briefly Steven Seagal. <laughs> yes, and, and that's precisely why, because um, Steven Seagal dying in the first act of that movie is sort of the, the commentary saying that this uh, this extraordinary action hero that we've been watching in all of these films, like he's not equipped to get the job done. We need an everyman like a Kurt Russell to save the day. And and so that's that's kind of why that film is is credited as such. But I I definitely think that, that Lethal Weapon and, and Die Hard uh, sort of started that trend started the trend in that direction. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's it's fun to go and, and kind of revisit the the way the the action movie genre has has grown and changed over the years, and and uh, for anyone listening, I don't I don't do this too too often unless we're talking about it specifically. But if anyone wants to find, there's a great documentary out. All right, so the name the name of the documentary that I wanted to mention it's uh, In Search of the Last Action Heroes, uh, and it, it basically covers the action movie genre from the 70s through the 80s and into the 90s, and how it kind of evolved and changed and and how that all kind of shook out. It's, it's, it's really fun. It's a really interesting one, especially for people of our age bracket, I would imagine. Or if you're just an action movie fan in general, you probably would enjoy the look back. Yeah. That sounds, it sounds interesting. Yeah. It's, it's sort of about the evolution and, and devolution and how it just all changes and, you know, all, all the, the, the ups and downs of the action movie genre as time goes on. But yeah, I think Lethal Weapon as a series, um, did, did a lot for the action movie genre. And, and uh, th- those are, you know, again, it, as with most sequels, it's a law of diminishing returns. Uh, as far as like after each one, they, they kind of sort of get not as good as the first. 
Um, I still will maintain that Lethal Weapon 2 is very, very good. I don't like it quite as much as the first, but I really, really love it. Yeah, I think Lethal Weapon 2 is awesome. But, you know, 3 and 4 is when you start seeing, like, all right, this, you know, they're just having fun. <laughs> yeah, 3 three's kind of a little boring. Um, but is is okay. And then 4, I, you know, it's been so long since I've seen 4, I, I don't wouldn't really want to say anything about it. But, yeah, kind of like what you said, just sort of love diminishing returns. But yeah, like still, still a set of movies I'll sit there and watch. And that's, yeah, you know. So yeah, so yeah, you have Richard Donner to thank for *Lethal Weapon*, and uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah. And then after *Lethal Weapon* comes out, but before *Lethal Weapon* two, he makes one of my favorite holiday comedies, with the 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 legendary Bill Murray. Right. We're of course talking about Scrooge. And I, I know we sort of have talked about Scrooge on, on Christmas episodes of the podcast, uh, but I can't emphasize how fucking funny this movie is. <laughs> like, I'll watch this movie in the middle of June. I don't care. It's hilarious. This movie cracks right. me up. There is so many amazing lines of dialogue in here and so many funny quips and retorts from Bill Murray uh, and, and his reaction to things. And, and it, it's just this great... It's a it, it's sort of a weirdly visceral comedy. Um <laughs> But th- there's just so much good stuff in there, and and I I like I've seen this movie so much that I like the really obscure quotes now as my my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much I've seen this movie. Right. I I don't know. Again, I don't know in the in the grand pantheon of Christmas movies. I don't know where it ranks for for a lot of people, but for me, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, me too. I know you. You know, you and I we we watched this every year growing up. I I, I think. Yeah, and you know we don't always get together on on Christmas Eve these days, uh, but when we do, I, th- I feel like this is what we try to watch: this or maybe Christmas Vacation. <laughs> yeah, one of, one of those two. Yeah. I feel like those are the Christmas Eve staples these days. Right. <laughs> this is just a great time. I don't know how you do, how you don't watch this and not feel good about you know being alive at the <laughs> at the end of it. I, you know, if you're into Christmas, I think you'll like this movie. You don't care for Christmas. Well, I got, I got, I, you know, we're just not gonna talk for a few days. It's fine. I'll, I'll okay. call, you, I'll call you on the twenty sixth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark. So the next movie I wanted to mention, and I, I don't know how you feel about this one. This is so, I'm excited to talk to you about this because I don't know your thoughts on it. But again, like like we talked about before, you know, it, it, Donner got to a certain point where he had good relationships with people. And they liked him as their director. Certain actors liked him as their director. And they were like, yeah, let's do this. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, that led to, uh, in 1994, Mel Gibson, Jodie Foster, James Gardner in Maverick, a big movie adaptation of an old Western TV show from the 60s that James Gardner starred in. Right. And I I need to go back through my, my, uh, my history here, but I, I was sort of curious. As I was talking to you, I was like, I wonder if... if Donner directed episodes of Maverick back in the day. I don't think he did. I went through his. No, it seems. Like, it seems like the. It seems like the one show from that era that he didn't direct. Right. You know, he's got stuff from the the Rifleman and Wagon Train and all that stuff. But um, yeah. Now there's Bounty Law on there. Yeah. Well, maybe he was a fan and never got to work on it. Yeah, maybe maybe so. But uh, I, I was curious how you... I Maverick is a movie I really like. And again, this is Donner sort of, again, scratching another itch in his uh, like genre portfolio and getting a Western film right. done. Obviously, he's directed Western TV, but 
to now be able to do it on a, on a big scale. I really like what I really like this movie. I don't know how you feel about it. I, I did want to include it in our little tribute though, because I do enjoy it so much. Um, it has been so long since I've seen this movie. I would say more than twenty years, but um, I remember really enjoying it. I've seen I I've watched it a few times, and I found it very entertaining. Yeah, and and you know Mel and Jodie Foster uh, are, uh, in my opinion, insanely charming as as like card sharks and and con people, and uh, right. I again it. I don't. <laughs> I don't. It's 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 hard to want. To, I I want to be complimentary towards Mel Gibson because I really enjoy his performance in this movie. But it's one of those things where like I don't want someone to yell at me for being complimentary to, to Mel Gibson for a movie he made in 1994. Um, but hey, I, like whatever. It is what it is. If if you don't like Mel, that's fine. You don't like Mel. But in 1994, in Maverick, Mel Gibson at his charismatic, charming best. Yeah, hundred percent. And I I enjoyed him in this a ton. Again, I think Donner brings. I think Donner brings a nice sensibility to this. He kind of keeps uh, all the the various because there's a lot of cons going on in the flick. He kind of does a, a really great job of keeping it all together. And then in the third act, when it's time to pull the layers back on all the different cons, I think he really shows them really well how it plays out, what was going on, what we didn't see as things were developing. I really like the way he cuts back and forth uh, to bring about that that conclusion for the poker game and then the way it all spins out from that. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it, yeah, it's, it's been a while it's been for a, you. It's I, been I, a while for me, but that all sounds about right. <laughs> Fair. I like that very much. Um, and what, what else would I want to say about Maverick though? I, uh, Hmm. Just watch it. If you haven't watched it, watch it. it it's, it's a fun time. If, if you can't put aside your, your Mel Gibson, issues that's okay you don't have to watch it but if, if you can watch it it's fun yeah there you, yep, there you go and you know i guess I'll, you know maybe i should just make a confession right now i still watch braveheart i still like mel in that way <laughs> i have problems with him in real life as an actor do your thing um you know i think i don't know i just i just think about what south park said which is mel gibson may be a crazy son of a bitch but he sure knows his story structure <laughs> i hadn't i hadn't seen that episode now now i want to watch it because that's exactly right yeah it is um it, it's the imagination land three-parter um and and it's great um but oh, um i think i have seen that actually i just, must have just forgot that line yeah, it, it's just like a, a, a small bit, but um, no, yeah, Braveheart's a great film. There, there's, there's no denying that. I don't, I don't, I don't it, like you said. I don't care what you think of Mel Gibson. You can't take away the fact that that's a, that's a great movie. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, for a long time, he was a huge movie star and made a lot of really great films. And you know, I, yeah. I don't talk about it a ton on the podcast, but I'm not. I'm not all about the cancel culture. I'm more than happy to condemn someone for their current actions, but that doesn't mean I, I have the ability to erase them from the timeline. Right. And, uh, you know, we're, that's it. That's all that. That's all that. I don't know. Have you seen that's... Mel Gibson in, uh, in uh, Daddy's Home 2? <laughs> no. The ultimate comedy pairing you never thought you'd see. Right. Uh, is, is Mel Gibson and John Lithgow. Yeah. They're hilarious in that movie. 
that that's what I've heard. And, you know, I mean, he's even, you know, he's kind of working himself back into Hollywood's good graces. His last film, Hacksaw Ridge. I never saw it uh, for no reason other than I just never got around to it. But, you know, like uh, nominated for several Academy Awards. So, oh, I'll be watching Fat Man. Uh, sometime soon. I just didn't want to pay the twenty oh, yeah. bucks. Though. I didn't want to pay twenty bucks to watch it, so I just waited. Was waiting for it to be available. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. This is a Richard Donner podcast, not a not a Mel Gibson. I podcast. know, but it's it, it's the the two are very intrinsically linked. So you know, you do have to kind of be like, all right, we're aware that Mel has some detractors out there, rightly yes. so. Yes. Every criticism about Mel Gibson is is deserved. <laughs> so that's that, and that's where we're gonna leave it. All right. So. All right, I, I can't lie though. Donner's career does kind of begin to 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 wane a bit towards the the end of the nineties. Yes, you know, conspiracy theory with Mel and Julia is fun, but it's not amazing. You know, the, it's pretty ridiculous. Last time I saw it, like I'm not even sure the plot makes any sense. Well, if you want to talk about ridiculous movies in Donner's resume, I, I think you have to go to the one before uh, when he did Assassins with Stallone and Antonio Banderas. And, uh, Horrible movie, <laughs> uh, written by the Wachowskis. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, just the. I I watched it and I just remember thinking like, like what was that? So what I want to say about that, and this is going to be in defense of Richard Donner, uh, because uh, over the like the last four or five years, as I've sort of gone back and, and, and watched a lot of uh, movies from my my youth and, and gotten and, but but now with the ability with the internet to explore what was going on with the making of these movies, you know, via IMDB and various websites and, and places like that that now have like the stories behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Stallone was a monster basically his entire career. Oh boy. And I wonder what sort of um creative control he wanted to, to exert over Richard Donner at this point in his career. Now, Stallone's career was in a little bit of trouble by this point as well, so I, I don't know, but I mean, there are movies that have directors listed that Stallone starred in that he just basically told them what to do. Now, Richard Donner does not seem like the kind of guy who would have put up with that shit. Right. But you do have to wonder, like, what kind of attitude did Stallone bring to this production? And Antonio Banderas at the time was a very hot commodity as well. And I sort of wonder if there was like a battle of egos happening, and Richard Donner's like, I just got to make the best of a bad situation here. Maybe uh, you know I don't want to say anything about it just because I I I'm, really don't. No, don't I'm know. I'm speculating wildly. I I, yeah. I I did not do the research on this film. I but it it's it sort of was a, it sort of seems to be like a, like a like a watermark in in towards the end of his career because it wasn't long after this that he decided to step away from directing. Yeah. Um... I don't know if, if if there's one thing I one impression of the film that I had that I remember having was I remember thinking like it just thought it was more clever than it actually was. I think that's a trademark of a lot of movies from the mid '90s. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I again, it it's just been so long since I've seen it. I I just can't even. I, I I can't really comment on it. I just remember thinking this is really bad. 
and and that was it. And I remember most people kind of said the same thing. Yeah, and 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 uh, it, you know he has another bad movie under his me. I, I have to put it out there. You know we have to be fair. Uh, I did yeah. not care for Timeline. It is an adaptation of a Michael Crichton novel that is decent at best. Uh, but he has he's saddled with a terrible cast, and I blame them more than I blame him. The movie is is very soundly directed. It's just not a great script, and it's not a great performances by the atrocious cast he has to work with. I never saw it. Well, let me tell you, let me let me let me tell you this this cast here. Okay, I'll just read you the top two build actors. Okay. Okay. Paul Walker. Gerard Butler. Gerard oh. Butler. <laughs> Gerard Butler pre three hundred, by the way. Close enough. Two thousand three. Close enough. Well. So here's the thing with Timeline. It sat on a shelf for a while. Oh, did it? Yeah, they came, it came out, I think, after 300, because this is when Gerard Butler was hot. And they're like, oh, let's put this Timeline movie that we had sitting on a shelf for, for a while out right now. Yeah, you know, that's kind of the irony of 300, though, is that even though it made Gerard Butler a star, I think most people after seeing that movie still didn't know his name. Well, no, no offense to Gerard Butler. Well, it, it's like it's like when Hemsworth, when Chris Hemsworth got big uh, from Thor and, and and things like that, and uh, the studio's like, "Oh wait, we have this Red Dawn remake sitting around on a shelf. Let's put this out." And everyone's like, "Why? Why'd you put that out?" Well, that was also the case with uh, Cabin in the Woods, if I'm not mistaken. I think Cabin in the Woods was still going to happen. I think that was coming out. It just sort of was a. I think that was more of a confluence of time. Okay. Um. But yeah, because I mean, Whedon and and uh, the other guy involved were were. I feel like that was gonna happen. It just was a again, just sort of fortuitous circumstances that Thor hit when they were kind I of see. in post production on it. Oh, okay, I see. But so I want to put a big butt here because again, we just mentioned a couple of bad films in his resume, and you know, every director has some misses. Uh, but I think he ends his career on a solid note before he decides to step away from the camera, and that's with uh with 2006's 16 Blocks. With Bruce Willis and Mo's death, this is—I think this is a solid flick. Uh, this is also one that I, I never saw. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's a bummer. Yeah, I you know I think I think that was the thing. I, I Richard Donner just it, at that point in time he just wasn't a a very big pull for me because of movies like Assassins, Conspiracy Theory. And I guess timeline. I, I had completely <laughs> forgotten about that movie. Um, and then when I looked at the poster for it, I was like, "Oh, I vaguely remember seeing trailers for this." But um, but yeah. So then by the time Sixteen Blocks kind of came around, it was yeah. It, it just wasn't wasn't a pull for me, and and neither neither was Bruce Willis. So. Yeah, that's it's fair, but I, in my in my opinion, I thought it was a I thought it was a damn fine rebound film for everyone involved, for Bruce and for for Richard Donner. Though again, I was surprised when I went back through his IMDb that he had he that was his last film. He stopped directing after that and just became like a producer. Yeah, and you know, again, I'm I'm speculating wildly. I I have heard stories that that Bruce Willis can be a bit of a horror story uh, behind the scenes, and I wonder if if you know Donner if it's just like you know I'm just he he pulled out the Murtaugh line. And was just like I'm I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> and he was just like, yeah, I'll just produce and I'll produce these damn X Men movies, and uh, we'll be all, we'll be all good. He produced X Men movies. Yeah, 
I, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I mean, specifically, like, like uh, his Donner's wife, Laura Schuler Donner, is the one who helped bring X-Men to the screen. Okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, but he's listed as a, as a producer on, I think, the first two X-Men movies and, unfortunately, the first Wolverine movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but I'm, I also kind of give him credit for, for recognizing, you know, that his his films just weren't you know they, they just weren't making the money that they used to um and maybe they maybe just the quality of them had had kind of diminished so you know I, I give him credit for kind of stepping away at that point as opposed to just kind of like trying to hold on to something desperately you know yeah, and if, if it's funny too, too if you if you go through his like producer credits, there's all kinds of crazy stuff on there. I mean, a lot of tales from the crypt and and things like that. I mean, I like Donner had his fingerprints on a lot of things, and he brought a lot of influence uh, there. Well, he did. Uh, he also directed a couple episodes. Of yeah, yeah, he sure yeah. did. He sure did. He was very much involved in that in that '90s reboot on HBO. Uh, that was yeah. that was pretty interesting. So that was a lot of fun. So yeah, it is it is it is funny. Uh, well, not funny. It, but again, like again, you get older, the career sort of wanes. It's he's sort of like a baseball player or something like that, or, or like the aged athlete, you know. Like towards the end of the career, yeah. it's like a little tougher to get those hit those hits under your belt. But yeah. again, so many influential movies, so many impactful movies. Uh, I I think Donner is uh, is a credit to his craft. I think he's a little un, under heralded sometimes uh, for the way he was able to, to tell stories. Uh, but I thought he was he was. Again, unheralded, but at the top of his class, even in a sort of, uh, I don't know, a casual way, if that makes any sense. I think so. Like, he doesn't get the, I guess he doesn't get the credit he deserves, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I think he kind of gets a little bit lost in, in the shuffle. Because, you know, he he does have an incredible string of movies from 76 to, you know, like, 1994 yeah you know so so almost 20 years um but yeah his name gets kind of lost in the shuffle when you're you're thinking about spielbergs and and george lucas and and guys i mean i guess lucas didn't really direct anything in that time other than the original star wars but you know kind of like what i was saying earlier you know he wasn't he didn't have like this particular visual style but he was he was just sort of a real craftsman who who knew what he was doing and, and made um made some some great movies yeah and i and i think the biggest thing we we should take away from it is is kind of what we said towards the beginning of the of the of the, of the episode by all accounts this guy was a a, a kind man a, a generous soul he was uh involved in a lot of charity things a lot of uh, activism at the same time like he was really big on Ending apartheid in South America, like you can, or South America and South Africa, you, yeah. you know, like he 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 would put some political stuff in the background of his movies to let you know, like he's paying attention to the issues in the world and and things like yeah. that. And like he never did it in a way that hits you over the head, but he was like, these are important. People need to be like pay attention to what's going on outside of this country. And and right. I I always thought the the way he did that was very smart and very clever. And and I, I, I again I just I he in an industry where we hear a lot of really bad things about a lot of bad people to, to basically like no one has come out and said Richard John is a creep. 
You know, you never hear those stories. Right. It just seems yeah. like he was a good dude. He made good films and and uh, movies that in, in impacted my life in, in many, many ways. And it, yeah, it sounds like your life as well. And again, this is why we give him a tribute today. Yeah. So I don't know what else I want to say about about uh, Richard, a.k.a. Dick Donner. I love it when people call him Dick in interviews. It makes me laugh. It's funny. Dick Donner. I just love alliteration. All right. <laughs> but yeah, man, I don't, again, I, I, I these are, these, a lot of these movies we talked about today, particularly like the ones from, from earlier in his career, Star, the Supermans, the Goonies, Lethal Weapon, even, even, even like Maverick and stuff like that. Like I've watched these movies on a fairly regular basis to this day. So, so Richard Donner will always be in my life. And I, I thank him for his contributions to my life and to to movies in general because uh, I think movies will be a, a lesser place without him. And, and uh, I hope that people will continue to watch the movies, pass them on to, to loved ones, recommend them still, and uh, and all that good stuff. I don't know what else to say about it. I'm not, I'm not good at eulogizing anyone. Don't Don't hire me for your funeral. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking directly to you right now, Mark. Don't hire me for your funeral. I won't. Okay, perfect. Any 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 closing uh, statements on on or thoughts on Richard Donner before we close out? Uh, no, I, you know, like I said, I, I I think he was a great director. Um, and I I I wanted to bring this up before when we were talking about the Omen. Yes. Um, if people get a chance, they should check out um uh, a documentary called. Curse of the Omen, because there's a really fun, interesting backstory, kind of behind the scenes of that of that film about all the about all the mishaps that occurred before, during, and even after the the production of that movie. That kind of adds to the mystique of it, because a lot of people think that 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 basically Satan had had cursed the movie and some bad things. Uh, befell some members of, of the crew and, and even people who weren't members of the crew. Oh, wow. Okay, right yeah. on. Yeah, so some fun stuff there. All right. Well, Mark, thanks so much for hanging out and, and uh, helping me pay honor and tribute to Richard Donner, uh, the man who uh, I blame 100% completely for making me want to read comic books and get involved in superheroes. So uh, everyone who's affected in my life by my obsession with comic books, uh, blame Richard Donner it's okay. okay. <laughs> do, do you feel the same or do you think not so much? I mean, I, he certainly created an, an interest in it for me. Um, but, you know, I think I was young enough that I was just kind of following your lead at that point. You're like, <laughs> hey, let's read some comic books. And I was like, okay. So... So uh, let, let me let me let me let me uh, play play a little uh, truth time with you real quick here before we before we do close out. Um, oh. <laughs> so I have, all right. So I've had an up and down relationship with the Superman comic book over the years. All right, there have been times where I've read it and loved it, and times when I'm like, "This is trash. I'm done. Get me out of here." Do you do you want to know what helps me know if I'm enjoying a Superman comic book? If you hear the John Williams score when you're reading it. If I hear the John Williams score when I'm reading it. And I blame Richard Donner for that, too. <laughs> I, he did direct that movie. We're, so. we're paying homage to the man, so he's going to get full credit for that, too. So if, I don't, if, I'm not, uh, if I'm unhappy with the Superman comic book, it's because 
Richard Donner and, and John Williams uh, have have imprinted my brain on what a Superman story should be and how epic it should be. I mean, they just give you a higher standard than than the garbage that DC often puts out <laughs> under a Superman title. That's a very fair point. All right, Mark, thanks for hanging out today. Uh, you and I are going to catch up very soon because we're going to finish Loki on Wednesday, buddy boy. Oh, boy. Get ready. Get ready for that one. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. All right, man. Bye. Bye. Excuse, oh, excuse on, me. Man. Excuse me. What? Fellas. What? Excuse me, guys. Uh, this is tuna. I hate tuna, okay? I refuse to get stuck with tuna now. I mean, come on. Hey, Leo, don't eat the tuna. Oh, where were you? I just said that. I'm not eating this. Oh, I'm not eating tuna. Good. Come on, let's go back. Hey, we're not going back, so just shut up. Oh, sure. Don't go back. Okay, okay, don't go back. That's it. That's what they want. Let me tell you, can I give you two guys a friendly piece of advice, okay? Don't ever go up to the drive-thru, okay? Always walk up to the counter. You know why? Okay, okay, okay. Okay. They fuck you at the drive-thru, okay? They fuck you at the drive-thru. They know you're gonna be miles away before you find out you got fucked, okay? They know you're not gonna turn around and go back. So they don't care who gets fucked. Oh, Leo gets. Okay, sure. I don't give a fuck. I'm not eating this tuna, okay? Shut up! Hey, there you go. That's the episode. That's the conversation. I hope you enjoyed that one. A look back at some of the mostly highs and a couple of the, of the lows. In the, in the film career of Richard Donner, recently passed away, but a, a man who has brought uh, a person, a, ma- a human being, who has brought so much to cinema, to movies. Uh, you know, I, I, again, I've lost track of the, the amount of, of summers I spent watching uh, this guy's movies in theaters. You know, we're talking about the, the Lethal Weapon movies, Maverick. Uh, I'm pretty sure I saw Conspiracy Theory in theaters as well. Uh, just so much good stuff. And then movies that I watch over and over again to this day. Superman the movie, Superman 2, The Goonies. Uh, just, a, a, again, and by all counts, a good person, a good human being. So that's why we wanted to pay a little bit of tribute to the man recently passed away. And, uh, you know, it was a little... Uh, it. it the timing of these of, of celebrity passings is always interesting. It was it was just a few weeks ago that Ned Beatty had passed away, and, and you may recall Ned Beatty uh, was in Superman, directed by Richard Donner, and and so now you wonder like okay Ned Beatty just passed away from Superman, now Richard Donner's passed away from Superman. We have to ask the question: Where is Gene Hackman, and is he okay? And with that, we are going to close up the show. Because uh, we're having too much fun over here, and uh, we have to stop. We have to stop having this much fun. I want to thank the official members of Pophead Nation for all their love and support. They are the best. You can uh, join the nation over at patreon.com forward slash TomCastPopCast. Gain access to the bonus content. It's pretty good stuff. I'm a little behind because of Loki shows, but don't worry. We're going to ramp it up here in in the late July and early August. Make up for it. Thank you to the current Patreons. The... Aspen Hill Chody, The Batman of Bay Park, Jeff Nail, co-host of The Ring and Ear, a great podcast about music. Check it out. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles, the Squid Master General, Brian Broussard, the New Jersey Devil, Mark Wegemer, our very own Joker and Harley Quinn, Brian and Chris of Brian Brewing Company right here in San Diego and coming soon to Baltimore, Maryland. Get ready, Baltimore. And of course, the Beer, the bear Hop Brigadier General, Jesus Beer Hops. Hey now. I hope everyone's had a great weekend. I hope you're off for a great week. And uh, we're, we got a lot coming up this week on the podcast uh, because not only are you listening to this Richard Donner tribute here on Monday, we will have a, the season slash potentially series finale of Loki on Wednesday. And then fingers crossed. 
fingers crossed, on Friday, we will be reviewing Black Widow. It's going to be a good time. Very busy here on the podcast. We hope you're enjoying the shows. We hope you're getting the most out of them that you can. And we thank you so much for your continued support. Downloading the show, listening to the show, sharing it with all your friends, family, loved ones, even your bitters of enemies, people you're in blood feuds with, people who owe you 20 bucks for going to see uh, Lethal Weapon 4 in theaters from you know 20 years ago. It's all good. Share it with everyone you can. We're having a blast over here, and we want to spread the word about it. And we thank you so much for doing that. Remember, the easiest way to support the show, the best way to support the show, five-star reviews. That's so critical to helping defeat the algorithm and getting the word about about what we're doing over here on the TomCast podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts, hit that five-star, write a little blurb. We We will read it here on the show. It will happen. All right. With that being said, I'm clapping too much. That, that, that does not sound good in the microphone. I need to stop doing that. So let's let's get out of here. Thank you all once again for listening. My name is Tom. This is the TomCast Podcast, your favorite source for uh, pop culture news. <laughs> I hope, at least. And uh, yeah, you know what's going to happen next. Ciao, babes. Yeah!